Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer back on the East Coast. And we are looking at a little 10-game slate here on Friday night to end the work week with you guys. Got a couple games for you. In this one, we are taking on uh, the Raptors are in uh, Orlando, taking on those Magic. We'll talk about that one here, as well as another game video and our player props that we're bringing you each and every weekday of this regular season. So like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. Also head to thelines.com. That's where we have all of our great written content. Nate throws his picks up there, uh, as well as our odds finder tool that we have. You can use to go ahead and make sure you're getting the best juice back on all these bets you're making in the NBA this season. Nate, let's get into this 10-game slate and then talk Raps and Magic. Yeah, let's talk some Raps and Magic. Why not? Uh, Wizards plus five at Pacers is the first game on the slate. Then you got the Raptors up to minus eight at the Magic, and that total is climbing as well, 221. Knicks minus three at the Hornets, the the Kings plus five at the Cavs there. The other game we break down, Atlanta's up to plus seven and a half at the Nets. I like that total going up. It's at 230. I will take the under. Lakers plus four and a half at Sixers. The Pistons plus 10 at Grizz. Suns minus two at Pelicans. Uh, seems like wrong team favored there. Wolves plus two at Jazz. And then the Bucks are in a pick em at the Mavericks to close things out here. Yeah, with the Raptors, the first thing you look at is the home road splits. They are finally back in a stadium that's full of fans, and they play a different style entirely. When they're in Toronto, the pace goes way up to 100.7 when they're on the road, uh, and that right away is going to help you get to some overs here. Um, And when you're playing this Magic team that's just really experimenting on the fly – uh, I, I mean, there's going to be so many opportunities to press the advantage in terms of their offense, in terms of Siakam and Barnes creating for themselves or others, uh, because you got the Wagner brothers out there, right? And, and both of them, while Mo actually has a decent defensive rating, I guess 113, Franz Wagner's defensive rating is around 119 this season. Um, Mo, you know, was typecast in that movie. Uh, recently as the uh, European guy with an attitude problem who can't play defense, right? Uh, so not not too far off from Adam Sandler. Uh, and, you know, it's just a bad matchup for him, particularly because, again, Siakam Barnes, so skilled uh, as big guys that they're almost like 6'11 guards out there. Uh, so I think Toronto will be scoring with easier. Mm-hmm. They are 4-0 to the over as road favorites this season. Um and going over by an average of 16 points per game, which is really stark here. So uh, I think that is the starting point you go here. Uh, or Orlando, now that Paolo's back in the lineup, they're going to be scoring a lot more on the other end as well. Interested in his player prop, even though it's a, it's a relatively tough matchup for him. He just went off against the Bucks too, which we had, by the way. Uh, but with Paolo and the Wagner brothers out there, <clears throat> It's going to be a lot of offense for Orlando, who also got Cole Anthony back. They got Marco Fultz back. Uh, Fultz has been extremely up and down in his in his few games back here. But either one of them could also exploit this Toronto defense, which is a little oversized, <clears throat> like I said, um, because of what they bring on the offensive end there. But, uh, you know, I think Orlando will be able to get into their stuff as well. They score a lot more at home versus on the road. So if it stays at 221, I think you take the over here. Um, but it's creeping up right now, so I don't know how high I'm willing to go. Not not 
not too super crazy high. Uh, I think that's the, a very good um, call out from the start here is like 220, 221. That's not exactly like a low total for a Magic game um, and, and a Raptors team that's playing pretty good defense this year, at least at home. But yeah, on the road, you, you hope that those trends continue, not only the, the 4-0 um, covering the over for the Raptors as those as home favorites, or excuse me, road favorites, but just them on the road in general, um, you know, not being quite as good on on um, on on offense or defense, really. On offense, I mean, they're still doing the same thing. They're playing faster, um, and, and they're doing they're scoring the same way. So when you talk about a Toronto Raptors game and you want to talk about points or their their success, you you just start with all of the the basically just go to advanced stats on NBA.com and go to the miscellaneous category for team stats. That's where you can see points off of turnovers. You can see second chance points. You can see fast break points. You can see points in the paint, and then you can also see how teams are defending all of those specific categories and the Raptors just dominate all of those categories most points off of turnovers most second chance points in the league most fast break points in the league and in the top 10 uh, 10th in, in points in the paint they defend the paint really well to the tune of like 12th 13th best in the league um, they're getting back on defense pretty well but on 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 the road specifically where they're playing at that 101 pace essentially um, they are bottom 10 bottom 8 in terms of giving up opponents fast break points not exactly how uh, Orlando beats you Orlando doesn't really have um, a strong offensive identity outside of more uh, more it's Franz and and Paolo and and really Cole Anthony starting things but then Markel we'll see how he gets back into it like I said there's not really an identity with guys coming in and out plus starting you know playing six seven footers throughout the game also kind of throws off your rhythm at times but I do like what I'm seeing um for the over when when you look at Paolo being back their defensive rating being a little better without him um that's also a a, a complete uh, correlation with how often he and Wendell Carter Jr. have not been playing together Wendell Carter Jr. is out which is the reason I'm not comfortably saying, yeah, take Orlando to cover eight. They've covered these games at home, um, and and the, the they're losing at home by a lot less than eight points a game, and the Raptors are, are not even able to have a positive plus-minus uh, against the spread or otherwise on the road right now. Um, but Wendell Carter Jr. being out is so huge for their team. Their defensive rating drops from one, uh, goes all the way up from 113.6 with him to 120 essentially without him. Um, Mo Wagner being in there, Moritz has been a little bit better at 33.8 minutes a game in his last two. Um, 20 points, 12 and a half boards, three and a half assists, shooting 61% from the field. The 106 defensive rating for him looks pretty good, but you also look at the teams that the Magic have played lately, the Clippers that are kind of duty on offense. They had a good game against the Bucks, who only, they only gave up 109 there, um, but and that's at home, right? So, you know, there's opportunity here for them with these guys in um, to, to get points, for them to at least keep it close so that this thing can stay interesting. I think you can feel pretty good about a Raptors. Um, you know, I, I actually like the Raptors to cover their team total as well tonight which is the reason you know is it's kind of conflicting with me wanting to take the, the magic but I, I think I'm leaning points is where I put my 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 coin tonight as opposed to really worrying about the magic having to cover with all these these stark numbers and we've seen them cover on the road so much uh you know the uh the the, the magic that is eight and four against the spread as the, as the home dog um beating that spread by about three points so you know losing by four or five seems about right for them but I think we can get this to about one you know one one fifteen one thirteen in that range and, and have a, a nice mid to high 20s game to get over this total yeah i mean but we did just see this with the raptors at home and it was like no contest it was 36 22 after one and then toronto just kind of cruise control go ahead and put up 121 on orlando yeah. that game was played with a little bit of slower pace like we're talking about uh we expect the raptors to be a little faster here on the road uh they're coming off 126 against the shorthanded lakers who, who do like to play past uh 
you know, I think they're they're starting to get whole again with Pascal getting back into a rhythm with right. Van Fleet's been in and out. And I would be worried taking the magic to cover against a legit contender. Uh, I mean, they did manage to muck it up with the Clippers. Like you said, it's it's stunning that they went over what this total would be, 227, playing at a pace of 91. Um, also stunning that they decided to play fast against the Bucks, though, right, and give up 34 to Giannis. That game would have been a lot more high scoring if Chris Middleton didn't have a complete dud. And, you know, we kind of – sour on the rest of the Bucks offense besides Giannis going downhill right now there's not much yeah. going on um uh, for them so I mean I think the Raptors much more versatile like I said they they really cruised they shot 56 percent from the floor against this Magic team uh they started Coloco to get a little bit more size because yeah. the Magic are so are so big but they still couldn't keep Orlando off the line and that's the key when you look at some of these young teams is right is can they can they generate some offense on the free throw line um and I, I mean, I think Toronto much worse in that department on the road. So it all it all kind of supports, yeah, a bit more of a high scoring game, uh, whether which whichever side we wind up on the spread. Yeah. And, and, and that's the name of the game is is play big. I mean, it's odd because I do like, you know, Toronto down low the way that they, they kind of bang down low um, and, and dom- not dominate. I mean, they, they do. They, they really they, the, the paint is super important for them in terms of defending it and scoring from there. Um, but then you look at uh, Orlando and, and like you said, free throws are super important. Orlando is getting to the line at the fifth highest rate in the league right now, which is understandable. Like we said, when you have guys that are taller than every single guy that they're playing against at every single position for them and the opposition's free throw rate for uh, Toronto's bottom 10 as well um, they're not very good at, uh, at not fouling essentially as they, they play pretty aggressively all over the place so I, I think that if they get to the line especially you feel good about it maybe you just feel good about that that um, Raptors team total that's closer to like what like 215 uh, or so um, and, and 214 and get or, I'm sorry 114 for their total individually I, I'd still feel good about that like you said 121 last time playing at this faster pace on the road um, and there's still going to be opportunity for, for points in this game for sure so look I think for a second this total was up to 230 and I think people were not really understanding the way these teams are both trending and that Atlanta's offense <laughs> has hit the tank um, and Brooklyn Jacques Vaughn's Brooklyn Nets are a defensive juggernaut I mean straight up one of the best defensive teams out there and a lot of it just has to do with scheme more than who's out there um, I mean he's long been their defensive coordinator and one of the most respected defensive assistance out there and they're on a seven game homestand here last of the game uh five and one to the under in those games including one against boston which is their only loss on this homestand um they're winning games by 8.4 points per game um and not covering it's the same old nets where they're going to pull out a win uh they're going (laughs) to have to do everything they can to get a win and they're probably not going to cover so i don't i do not like this at minus seven and a half Sam, I am. I do not like it creeping up anymore. Uh, I think this is prime territory for a teaser, though. I mean, where it was at, at, at seven and a half or seven to get the Nets at minus three and to get that under higher, um, 232, maybe even 234 if you can get it at the right moment here. Um, because I think they will be able to limit Atlanta. You know, this is what we were on two nights ago when Atlanta was at the Knicks. And sure enough, they score 89 points. It did, certainly doesn't help that they lost DeJounte Murray in the first four minutes. And they haven't played a full game without him yet. Uh, but they, that's certainly the one thing I'm worried about is that it kind of frees Trey Young up to be the Trey Young of last season. 
and we get like a freewheeling yeah. game, but still no John Collins. DeAndre Hunter's questionable. Uh, Bogey is still shaking off the rust. He was three for 16, stepping up as the 1B option there for Trey in that last game. And Atlanta's offense on the road, just terrible. Um, I mean, they, they're now eat dead even. They were kind of streaking more on the road versus at home. Uh, but now they're dead even in points. Uh, they're playing at a slower pace on the road by far. And Trey in his last nine roadies, 105 offensive rating. His last three at the Nets, even when the Hawks were this fun run-and-gun team, 24 points per game, under 28% from three. Uh, so, you know, they've been guarding him for a while. And then you look at the Nets defense at home uh, in particular, this the entire season, not just when Jacques Vaughn took over. Uh, they're third in paint points allowed. They're allowing the fourth lowest percentage of points off twos. They're, they are allowing the fourth most free throws, but Atlanta, 29th in free throws, 29th in three-point percentage. They're just not going to beat you if you if you can deny their kind of floater game, their mid-range game. Um, and, I mean, the last thing about the total here, I, I think you can take under before it starts, but you could also – really hit and under during the game. You look at the last three for the Nets, they're scoring 65 in the first half, which is top five in the league. Then they're scoring the fewest points per game in the second half. As Kyrie and KD get a little tired, they're carrying such a huge load. Um, and then the, the Hawks, you know, not great in that department either. They just got held to 48 in the second half. Uh, and they're 28th on the season in fourth quarter points per game, even worse on the road. So I think this will slow down. I think even if Trey does start to look a little good as as the only point guard out there with no DeJounte, I think the Nets have the recipe to slow him down and, and basically stop stop Atlanta if it is a close game down the stretch. Yeah, uh, I mean, that, that um, Boston and Brooklyn game was a very solid indication. That was uh, just a few games ago after um, right before the um, – the Nets beat the the, the Hornets. Uh, they lost to the Celtics ninety two to one hundred three uh, at home. Uh, super indicative uh, of the way that they're playing right now. Um, to, uh, that was a two thirty point five total. Um, Boston also, I should mention, uh, fourth in their last ten games in defensive rating. So they really picked up something that we were talking about them not doing well. Um, but that's the exact same case for uh, for these these uh, Brooklyn Nets as well. Eighth in defensive rating over the course of their last ten. You put that down to about their last five. Even better, uh, as Simmons has played a few more games over the course of their last five, which they really need. Interestingly enough, their offense. Uh, what I'm just going to bring up Watanabe just for a minute because when he was in, it was another three-point shooter that was super helpful for them for like a three-game stretch. He's only played once in the last 10 games, uh, and that offensive rating and that three-point shooting has been indicative of, of not having him. Seth Curry getting better for sure, um, and, and they need him big time uh, because I think that's going to be their, their basically uh, third scorer at this point um, on this team. So for, for them to even get the points that they need, they're going to need some some outside scoring from KD, uh, and I just it's just not going to be the case in a, in a game that you, as you mentioned, with with Atlanta uh, playing the way that they are on the road as of late, especially they were, like you said, a little bit better on the road um, on offense, especially shooting a little bit better, getting to the free throw line a little bit more. But the the identity of this team is was supposed to be what it's been, which is essentially emblematic of Trey Young, which is get to the free throw line or shoot open threes or create lobs for your teammates or create open threes for your teammates. And they're not shooting threes, and you can't win if you're going to shoot the amount of threes that they're shooting a game. Uh, to the tune of what, like second least in the in the league. Uh, this is a team that um, obviously if Bogey Bogdan 
but Boyanovich, just so you know, the one on the Hawks is Bogdan. If Bogdan had been playing, um, then obviously you would feel better about that as well, and that's going to be impacting their three-point shooting. Red Velvet, Mr. Kevin Huerta not being around, also impacting their three-point shooting. It's what happens when you, you sacrifice the, all those things for a, a better wing defender uh, and, and, a, and a ball handler in, in, in Murray. Um, and so, yeah, the only thing that you look at tonight that says maybe this is a game that opens up is Trey Young going off, but even if Trey Young is going off, who's coming with him? Like, uh, we haven't seen anybody put up the points um, even like even DeJounte to, to an extent there's they're not scoring and they're not playing with efficiency um, on, on, on the road as well as at home in a way that makes you feel comfortable you know betting on, on their totals to go over at any point in time so 229 and a half is still pretty high like you said I, I, I like that bet a lot I just same same concept I just don't really want to put my money on Brooklyn to have to win a game by that many points when their margin for for error on offense is so goddamn small because the ways that they're scoring are just not efficient it's two-point mid-range which look KD every shot on the floor is efficient the teams that have uh that are shooting from the mid-range and scoring from there I'm not even going to make fun of them it's the teams that do it every single year in terms of the Bulls uh and the Nets and the Suns uh and the teams that that have those guys to to, you know to play from the mid-range the Hawks are the same concept though and I there's nobody on their team that is the same as as KD who's a tall guy that can shoot over people so why are you the second why 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 are you the team with the second highest amount of shots from the two-point mid-range or points scored as well right when you're the Hawks so um, getting to the free throw line and getting threes, that's that's their M.O., and they're not doing that right now, making them really easy to defend. Um, if they're going to try to do it down in the paint, as you said, uh, Brooklyn also defending the paint to the tune of the fourth best in the league, um, fourth fewest points in the paint that they're allowed, that they're allowing as well. So just put the clamps on, uh, you know, put the clamps, do whatever you want with Trey. Even if he puts up 35 tonight, I don't care. I still don't think this Atlanta team is good enough to get close to 120, 115, um, as they haven't been doing that even when he is going off. So uh, without DJM tonight, yeah, I think this is a, an easy opportunity to get uh, a few more points uh, or to, to feel good about maybe Brooklyn winning, but definitely the under. Yeah, interestingly enough, I kind of feel the same way about the Nets. Like, even if KD gets 35 and Kyrie comes 30, <clears throat> that the team scoring is not going to be that high. Uh, I think there's kind of an interesting same-game parlay to take the over on, on Durant and the under for the game uh, because he's just going to be money in the mid-range. But this is not this is not a video game where you can just go to Kevin Durant every time until the well dries up like he's a human being who's going to be tired at some point and you have to <laughs> try to find points from another source. Although he did have 55 in the last time he was in this matchup in April. Uh, and and then the, the, the time before that, like I'm saying, they shut down Atlanta 14 points in the fourth quarter that was in Atlanta back when Atlanta was a stark home run team back when Atlanta had Huerter and John Collins spacing the floor for them. And when the Nets had freaking James Harden and LaMarcus Aldridge in their starting lineup, two of the worst defenders uh, in you can find out there. And now they actually have the best defensive lineup that's played at least a hundred minutes uh, read into it how you will. But Kyrie, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, KD and Claxton have been shutting teams down uh, and Vaughn's got some pieces to go to if he wants to. And then, you, yeah, you look at the Nets offense, like you're saying, it's it's a lot of mid-range. It's, it's fourth worst pain points, fourth worst free throw attempts, um, and no offensive rebounds. So, yeah, I mean, you can let Trey get his and, and, and not worry about anybody else beating you. And that's what most teams have been doing. That's why Atlanta has gone under yeah. six of their last nine here. Um, and, and they just haven't been that threatening on offense as they have been in the past. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I'm with all of that. Uh, not not too much more to add. Uh, Atlanta is is wildly disappointing right now, and they're going uh, to need to really bring it together without a bunch of guys in there that are important to them. Three of their f- most four important guys in Collins, DJM, and DJ and DeAndre Hunter. You could argue. So you're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books, all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first NBA play a prop for tonight. Yeah, it's a game we talked about, the Nets and Hawks, and kind of contrarian, we like the under for the game, but like the over for some of the big stars out here, especially Kevin Durant, who's just, you know, 27 and a half points. It was closer to 29 and a half before Kyrie really started cooking. But this mm-hmm. is a better matchup for Durant, or at least has been in the past. I mean, great matchup for both of them, to be honest. But Durant in this last four against Atlanta, 37 and a half points per game on a 33% usage. He had 55 the last time these teams met in April. Uh, higher usage rate at home for Durant, 32%, scoring 31 at home uh, versus 28 on the road. His last seven in general, filling it up. With uh, 32 and a half points, seven rebounds, six assists. He has five plus assists in 10 straight games. So, like, he is the offense. Kyrie is the off guard, and Durant is your point uh, small forward. So, you can combine the points 27 and a half with assists if you want. I mean, I, I think I just take the points straight up. Um, and, I mean, that, that's pretty much the, the long and short of it. I mean, I don't love any of the player performance doubles for Durant cause, just because it's like he's expected to get 30. But that tells you what you need to yeah. know about betting for 27 and a half. It's like the only way this doesn't hit is if Atlanta drops only 89 points like they did last game out against the Knicks. But I think now that they understand they don't have DeJounte Murray for an entire game, they'll be a little bit more prepared schematic-wise to run around Trey Young like they have the past few seasons. And I think they will – score enough to, to force Durant to, to be a, a factor down the stretch. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at that same game parlay with you uh, when you've got a situation where it's two teams that have stars that can still score um, and nobody else that you feel comfortable about scoring right now. Plus, both teams are playing better on defense than they are on offense anyway, uh, especially the, the, the Nets. So you, you expect this game to be a little bit slower, but... KD can thrive in any situation. If you're going to be a two-point mid-range scorer per- predominantly, you, you don't need to play at a super strong pace to, to be as efficient as he is shooting better than 50% from there. So uh, I'm going to go under on a guy that seems a little odd in a game where the Knicks are playing the Hornets, and the Hornets do not play defense, uh, and the Knicks have been going over on their totals. But Julius Randle, uh, his points is at 23.5 tonight. Um, his PRA, 37.5. I would go under on both of those, Nate. 23.5 minus 105 on DK if you go under there for the points uh he is coming off a huge game against uh the hawks a team that we just spoke about is backsliding its ass off uh 34 and 17 but he's also 
done that what multiple times in the last two or three seasons against the Hawks just dominating them um, especially the, the last few few rounds but if you look at the, the last 10 games or so for, for Jay Randall as well the teams that he is scoring and getting these props on are the teams that are not good at defending the paint uh, as opposed to the teams that are good at defending the paint right so Cleveland um, and, and Milwaukee uh, two teams he did not do well against Memphis also with Steven Adams in there and Jaron Jackson Jr. played in that game uh, unable to get anywhere you know close to this prop uh, either of these props in terms of points or or the PRA, uh, but then you know when he, when he's playing against a team like uh, like uh, Atlanta uh, or Detroit uh, and, and even Portland to a degree, he kind of goes off a bit more. Um, so I, I think there's some some clear correlation there. Uh, you've also got his last four against Charlotte, just doesn't look good. 16 and a half points per game, seven boards and four assists, uh, really stark shooting 36% from the field with a 96 individual offensive rating uh, in 35 minutes. So, you know, PJ Washington seems to be a pretty good matchup for him. Um, even if he's not a great matchup for other guys down low being undersized, this is a guy that's closer to his size. It, obviously uh, in his last three home games, PJ has got basically a defensive rating of like 95 uh, in all those games individually. And that's a huge reason why Charlotte's allowing seventh fewest points per games to power forwards. PJ, Washington really moved off of that five spot that he was playing small ball and not working last season uh, and is, is now alongside obviously Mason Plumlee for the most part um, so I, I think they're, the, him guarding Julius Randle is not great for Jay Randle in this one and they're going to have to find other ways to win in a game I think they'll still be able to pull out but not because Jay Randle is going to be putting the ball in the net yeah, last game it was really a cold night for Brunson and Randall picked up the slack but yeah. that could be reversed based on the matchup you're looking at where Charlotte's just terrible against guards uh, and and really good against power forwards. Yeah, PJ, the, those aren't his last three home games, uh, but they are his last three in this kind of matchup against like a, a team that has a, a big power forward. They're against Milwaukee, Minnesota, and Philly. He struggled against mm. Washington and the Clippers, who are spread you out, you know, Kuzma, uh, you know, Paul George, if he's active, whatever. They're yeah. going to spread you out at the four. And make you guard in space, but the Knicks are not spreading anybody out. Uh, so that's yeah. why Randall's, I think, struggled in this matchup. Look, yeah, I said I wanted to take uh, Nola here at plus two at home against the Suns. I know the Suns are unlikely to lose three straight games. Uh, I mean, they certainly wouldn't like to, but I don't know if they have a choice in the matter because I think New Orleans is the best team in the West right now. Um, both ends of the floor, really good. When Zion's out there, they've won eight of their last nine at home, the exception being against Boston, which cannot lose. Um, so Zion is at 25 and a half points, and the odds are not great there. But So why not just take 25 points in a win, and then all of a sudden you go from minus 120 to plus 220? Because the Pels, I mean, this is their path to victory, especially with Brandon Ingram out, uh, mm -hmm. is feeding Zion early and often. You're looking at a Suns defense that's that's been kind of a sieve, and, and, and at least in these last three, I mean, two of them being blowout losses to Dallas and Boston, but uh, 22nd in defensive efficiency and 26th in two-point percentage allowed. So that's key. Zion, of course, just getting whatever he wants and facilitating. Uh, he has 34 free throw attempts in his last three games. And, I mean, who, who's supposed to stop him? Torrey Craig, uh, DeAndre Ayton, too slow. I mean, there's nobody in the league that's really a good matchup for him. Uh, it's just a question of the Pelicans being challenged long enough for him to to have that higher usage rate. He's putting up 25 and 25 minutes sometimes. So I, I think it's it's a good time to take Zion and the Pels. Zion time. Yeah, it, it feels right. Um, 
man, we, 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 we thought Phoenix was going to keep going when they got smacked by Boston. Um, and, and guys like Zion uh, and even you know Tatum and Brown, really Brown did a lot of the work early as well in terms of just being athletic and, and driving right to the rim. So it seems like pretty accurate that this that a guy with that type of skill set uh, magnified in terms of Zion you know, w- would be able to have the same kind of success driving right down the lane. So um, I'm actually going to finish off the props here, Nate, with a, a, another <laughs> Pelly here um, and Joval. Um, and, and, and this seems a little bit counterintuitive, maybe, but I think Joval's stats tonight are, are going to be helped by the fact that he's going to get minutes. Um, and, and that's been the case when he plays. I mean, that's been the case for him on the Pellies in general is when he gets minutes, he does well. Um, his per 36 numbers remain pretty strong. Oftentimes, it's a matter of can he stay on the floor or not. Um, and, and so I, I think tonight you've seen what he can do against um, uh, against DeAndre Ayton in his career. And you feel pretty good about the way that he's played against the Sun. So I'm going over 23 and a half points and rebounds um, in nine career games versus DA versus Aiden 28.8 minutes per game which is the crucial thing there to me 26 and a half percent usage rate uh, in those games as well against DeAndre Aiden um, which is much higher than what he's got normally this season about 20 percent 20.7 points per game so basically 21 and 12 for Joval over his career against um, uh, against DA uh, and it's really it's the, the only three fouls a game as well which is crucial like I say to him staying on the floor when he gets those minutes then he gets those those stats so in his last 10 overall he's covered this this, this prop six times. The four times that he didn't, he didn't even get 22 minutes in the game. He only played 21 or fewer minutes, fouling out in two of those games. So, DA's not a guy that makes you foul out. He doesn't cause fouls on the other team. He, he it's, it's jump hook, jump hook, mid range, jump hook, jump hook, mid range, and then I'll stand over you, even though I've never dunked on anybody in the league. Um, so, you know, I think Phoenix bottom 10 and allowing opponents, uh, opposition centers to score and rebound, just because DA's not really like that tough. And that, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a presence for sure, uh, better than nothing down low, but it's not like he's an enforcer in any way. So as long as Joval stays on the floor, I expect him to continue getting the points and rebounds that he's been getting uh, against Aiton and the Suns in his career. Yeah, and Chris Paul looked pretty rusty, and, and Devin Booker's cooled off at least a little bit. He's had some trouble against the Pels. I wish Herb Jones was playing to guard him if you were going to take the Pelicans. Um, but I, I mean, I just think that that leads to more rebounds. And like you said, yeah, he can stay on the floor against Aiton. Um, Jose, if Jose Alvarado's active, uh, that's going to be key in terms of keeping CP3 less efficient as he as he's had been out for a few weeks. Um, so I think you can just kind of watch that injury news and if Alvarado's in there or not. I mean, yeah, I think take the Pelicans and and then the Suns can figure it out uh, when they play again at three thirty on Sunday, which is a much more weird spot. I think the Pels handle this one on Friday mm-hmm. night. It makes a lot of sense, yeah. And I think you're going to have to break Jose Alvarado's ribs to keep him out of this game. He is questionable right now, but it feels like he's going to want to play against CP3 uh, the way he loved playing against him in the playoffs last year. So that is all the time we have in our props video today. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. We will be back with you guys each and every weekday this regular season. So until we see you next, happy betting. <laughs>